Hey, everybody. This is Frankie from the Breakpoint Podcast. We want to thank you all for tuning in to Marcus and I discussing our love and passion for the game of tennis. Your engagement and support goes a long way to helping this podcast continue to grow. Please be sure to give us a follow. Rate our podcast on our social channels, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, or any other place that you get your podcasts. And on social media, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast 7, Twitter at Breakpoint Pod 7, LinkedIn, and of course, our website, podpage.com forward slash break dash point dash podcast. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you're the first to know when there's a new episode drop and more people like you can find our podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Marcus, and my co-host Frankie. And Frankie, today we are having another ATP Tour player profile episode on one of the newest up-and-coming young studs on the tour, Mr. Ben Shelton. Uh, Living the American dream, baby. Coming straight from college onto the tour first year, doing some serious damage. Uh, we're going to get into where he came from, how he got here, what the future looks like for Ben, and are his celebrations a little bit too, <clears throat> let's say, college-esque? Is the ATP tour going to like this? So, um, Frankie, let's get started with how how Ben even got onto the tour. I think it's kind of a fascinating story of where he grew up, how he grew up playing tennis with his dad, Ryan Shelton, as a pro. Um, walk us through a little bit of his backstory. Oh, no, I was going to let you do this because it seems like oh. I think you've got a better. T- I, I think it's better for you because you're the college tennis player. So please, uh, Fair we'll let, this is going to be a Marcus episode. Please go oh, ahead. stop a Marcus episode. This always this always ends up being a Frankie episode. That's all good, though. <laughs> it's not my fault. I'm the main character of this podcast. You're definitely not wrong about that. Um, ben Shelton interesting kind of way of growing up and making it to the tour very non-traditional most american tennis players kind of go they end up being homeschooled um when they're in high school travel around play itf juniors whether that be nationally internationally uh usually forego college and then kind of go straight to the tour when they're 17 18 ben's a completely different story ben only picked up tennis in his when he was like nine or ten years old um, he had primarily been playing football, which kind of makes sense. If you look at him, he looks like a football player. Uh, and his dad was a professional tennis player, but he only picked it up when he, you know, his dad was like, you know what, maybe we want to reduce, reduce the amount of injuries here. And maybe tennis would be a better route. And during growing up in juniors, he was not one of the best juniors, um, in the world because he actually never played really any international ITF. So he was fully domestic, um, grew up in Florida. Uh, played primarily only in Florida uh, and played obviously some national tournaments in the U.S. and ITF juniors whenever they came around to tour around in the U.S. But for the most part, didn't really kind of pursue that international dream that most junior tennis players do. And I think that ended up doing him some real good because he kind of stayed grounded. Um, He learned how to kind of develop. And, you know, he's got a very raw style that Frankie and I kind of talk about all the time that just wasn't quite there yet. Um, his dad ended up getting the job at Florida, so for the Florida Gators, and Ben ended up uh, joining the team and actually played fifth singles uh, his freshman year, which ended up being his only year because he ended up playing fifth singles and somehow won the NCAA tournament. Kind of took things to another level, which was incredibly impressive. And I remember watching him last summer in Atlanta. 
Um, he had a pretty good run there and then a, a good run in a few tournaments after that. And I thought to myself, wow, this kid looks like he's kind of ready. And then he made the decision to forego college, um, which was probably a tough decision because I think when your dad is coached there and you've got your buddies on the team and stuff, it can be pretty difficult. But I think everybody knew like, dude, you're, you're way too good. You're way too talented. You need to go on tour. Um, and then to qualify for the Australian Open, Frankie, he decided not to go with the American wild card that could have been issued to him in exchange. Instead, he went to go play some challenger tournaments and won them and really earned his spot. And I think that gave him a lot of confidence to go play not only in his first Grand Slam, but the first time to ever leave the country when he went to Australia and ended up making the quarterfinals, which was an, um, probably an amazing experience for him. Um, and then... Yeah, I mean, his first year on tour was kind of wild. I mean, for, and then after he made his run on Australia, clay court season came. He didn't do Jack. Jack, you know what? Because he's, you know, American. Uh, <laughs> and um, he basically didn't win back-to-back matches, I think, for like three or four months. And then the U.S. Open series came, and then he started making his moves again. Ended up making the semifinals against Novak Djokovic. Uh, did the classic phone down celebration everybody knows what i'm talking about you can picture it right now uh and then ever since then he's made some some good headlines he's doing well in shanghai this week so um frankie what what has kind of stood out to you in terms of the rise of ben shelton in comparison to other american talent that that we've seen in the last few years well we're talking about uh podcast co-host or guest host rather and uh podcast porter arabelle chaffee's favorite player in the world Ben Shelton. Um, we will have Arabelle on for another episode to talk about sort of Shelton's celebrations because she has some strong opinions. I have some strong opinions, which I know is a real surprise to everyone listening. So um, does Todd Smith. So, oh, well, we'll get him. Well, <laughs> that I want to hear. Uh, we'll get him oh, yeah. to dial in. But um, yeah, I mean, I think what stands out about Shelton is just he has got weapons that other people just don't have. <laughs> Nobody else on the tour has. Yep. I mean, he hit shots that I don't think anyone on tour is able to hit. I mean, he's got a serve that is Roddick-esque. I mean, it's the closest thing to Roddick's serve that I've seen, um, at least in terms of its speed and its power. Um, and it's lefty. And it's lefty, which is even crazier, right? And then I think just in terms, like, it's just it's just so raw. Like, if he just, like, really refined his game a little bit and learned when to turn it on and when to turn it off, like, I really think, like, he could win a Wimbledon. I really think he could win a Grand Slam. And that's just not something that, you could say about a lot of other players and especially after watching Tiafo and Fritz this year, when I expected them to sort of make a bigger jump than they did. Fritz, I mean, Tiafo, you know, I'll say is not necessarily as great because Tiafo has made a U.S. open semifinals and won that big match over Rafa and the whole thing. But like Ben Shelton, a hundred percent plays his best tennis under the lights, cameras on, everybody watching him. Like he feels no pressure. It's so obvious. Like you watch him and you're just like, this guy's just having fun. And that's just it. 
Whereas Fritz and Tiafo definitely do not look like they're having fun. And especially Fritz, but that's probably because he's got an abandoned child somewhere in California. Um, oh, damn. okay. We're not going to talk about it, but oh, I mean, that's we true. Had, I mean, we're we had to pretend that had, it doesn't exist. Sure. We had to throw him under the bus like that. Shit. Um, and Tiafo, listen, I think definitely has the showmanship aspects of it. A hundred percent. And like, that's why I said, I don't know if this necessarily describes him as much. But Shelton beat him in that match, and that's a match that Tiafo has to win. Like that's not a like should win. That's a match that Tiafo has to win um, against Shelton, and he just did it. So I don't know. I I think Shelton. When you watch him, you're just like, dude. If this guy just brings it all together, he could beat anybody. Anybody on a, on a good day. That's what stands out to me about him. What stands out to me about him is he he's just so – he's like careless in a really great way in terms of he's just going to do him. And I think that's kind of what the game really needs. Um, I think he started to tone down a little bit kind of the college-esque celebrations because I think he realized like that's not going to – you're not going to have too many friends on the tour for that long if you keep doing that. But – I still think that fire definitely needs to be there a little bit. And I think right now he's not really feeling that pressure because he's still kind of in the shadows of Tiafo and Fritz. And, you know, those guys are like, I'm going to say kind of more serious individuals, more so Fritz than anybody than, than the other two guys, but who kind of are expecting and like feel that pressure of like, okay, I need to be the next American to win a slam after Andy Roddick. Um, whereas Shelton is kind of like, you know what? I'm just here to have fun. I'm here for a good time. Um, and it'll be interesting to see his next year on tour, Frankie, because I think a lot of times what happens with these new young players who come come in hot is that players start to figure them out and study them a little bit more. Um, but also at the same time, Ben's game is so raw that he has not even touched his potential yet, especially from the baseline and, and his return game and whatnot. Obviously, his serve is just off the charts. But um, he's got so much room to grow that it's really – it's kind of tough to say where his ceiling is, really. Yeah, I'd also add that, like, Ben Shelton is not some, like, unknown commodity this year. Like, at the end of last summer, like, Ben Shelton was making noise. He was winning matches at D.C. He was, like, doing his best. He made the quarterfinals of the Australian Open. Like, this was a guy people knew about going into the U.S. Open, and they still couldn't figure him out. Right. So I don't know. I, I just I think to your point, like I think what you said is actually like a perfect descriptor of him. He's careless in a way that is good. Like he's careless in a way that he doesn't feel pressure, that he doesn't look tight on court, which is what Fritz looks like a lot, which is what Tiafo looked like at the U.S. Open this year. He looked tight. And I think what bothers me and like you said it about Shelton at the Australian Open, right? And as as a sort of like counterexample, what bothers me about Fritz and what bothers me about Tiafo is that they are players who get irritated about the fact that they feel the pressure of being an American and like nobody, no other players on tour get this question. And like, you know, as an American, like we're just trying our best. Like, I don't know why everyone is so obsessed with this, blah, 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 blah. 
But at the same time, you're reaping the benefits of being an American tennis player. You're taking Grand Slam wild cards. You're taking all of these things that come with being an American. You have all these endorsements. You have all this fame, all this following, all of these things, these court assignments. It's all because you're American. Let's be clear. It's because you're American. And the downsides of that, the dual-edged swords of that, dual-edged sword of that, is that guess what? You've got a lot of pressure. That's 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 the trade-off. And what I admire about Shelton is that a bring it on, number one. He's got like that young, fearless, like bring it on attitude. And B, like, he turned it down. He was like, Oh yeah, I'll just play some challengers. Like I, I need to gain some confidence. I need match play. He didn't take the wild card. And that's what I like. I, I just it. think so. I just I just feel, think so highly of him. Um, and like, I think that people are so hard on him. And it's just like, dude, like he's just trying to have fun. And like, I think you and I can really relate to it because like we've been like just young guys, like having fun playing tennis, you even more so playing in college that like, you just see it and you're just like, yeah, like he's having fun. He's playing at the U S open on Arthur Ashe at night. Like I'd have fun too. And like, I just think that we like criticize it and we like make him like feel bad about like being himself. And it just really bothers me when people do that. Like it's not about the other guy. Like when he does the hang up with the phone, it's not about the other guy. It's about like him just like, having fun and showing his friends like, Hey guys, you see this? This shit's hilarious. Like that's what it's about. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm serious, you know? Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, no, you're right on. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people kind of forget when they play tennis. And this is, this goes from like anywhere to a recreational level to a professional tennis level is that you got to be having fun. And if you're not having fun while doing it, then, then what's the point? Right. And I think that some people kind of take the game way too seriously and, you know, it's like people think about all the what ifs, like what if I don't win this match? What if I don't win a Grand Slam as Americans? Like, dude, no one's, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're going to have a successful career. You did great. But like, just go out and have fun. I think that's kind of Ben's attitude. And I think a lot of people can learn from that. And it's so good for the game and it's so good for him. And it's also, it's, frankly, I mean, we need to say it's amazing to have another African American tennis player in the fold who is successful. I mean, besides Tiafo, you know, James Blake for a while, but like, it's awesome to have like people of, you know, from the black community and from diverse communities do well because it gives that community hope and like, Oh, tennis is also a way for me to be successful. And I think that that's something that really needs to be talked about. Yeah. And the other thing I completely agree, like the, the representation of people of color in the community is in, in the tennis, in the men's tennis community, I will specify because the women's side has, a little more, you know that 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 hasn't really been so much of a problem, but on the men's side, it certainly has been, and and to see Ben is great. But you want to know what else I like about Ben Shelton? His dad is his coach, and he's not yelling and screaming at him and having this adversarial, weird, someone needs therapy situation going on, like you, that you see with Sitsi Pass and everything. Uh, like, yeah, I, I think just that. To say, who are you talking about? Yeah, like. Ben Shelton and his dad, like, they're not yelling and screaming at each other. They're not, like, adversarial towards one another. Like, Ben's dad is, like, pretty chill in the box and, like, just trying to help his son out. And Ben, like, looks up and listens to him and doesn't, you know, like, 
start going going at him. Like it's just so like pleasant to see a like healthy like father son coaching situation after the nonsense that we see on the tour all the time. And that's and that's kind of what I was like when I explained his upbringing. Like that's we need to see more of that. Like you you laid low, you played domestic, you grew your game, you had fun with it, you played college, you hang out with your buddies and stuff. And you can still play tour tennis. Like it's very much possible. You don't need to be like like for example, at Tsitsipas who is gung ho and his dad is like gung ho about him becoming a pro ever since he's, you know, came out of the womb essentially is totally miserable with his dad and his relationship there because they just constantly yell at each other. Like, and now he has to like do weird Instagram posts with Paula Badoza because they're both mentally completely lost. It's like kind of sad. I mean, it really is because like, you don't see Ben Sheldon doing that. Like they was just going out having a good time. And meanwhile, for like other players, this is like life or death. I'm like, yo, it's not the that guy, serious. It's just ben, Shelton, ben Shelton's at a university of Florida college football game leading the Gator chomp. Like he's just having fun. Yeah. Like it's it's just like God forbid. Yeah, God forbid twenty year old tennis player has fun. Somebody call the cops. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. No, it, it just it just irritates me so much because like it just to me like reeks of people who tried way too hard at this sport when they were kids and didn't have fun and had a poor relationship with tennis. And they're just like, Oh, why is Ben Shelton behaving that way? Like if I was him, if I had that God given skill, like I've never behaved that way. Well, you don't, Like you don't have that skill. Ben does. And Ben's going to have fun. So let him have fun. Like just, it, like, it, it, it's just, it, it's just so disappointing. That's all it is. It's just so disappointing. Some of the reaction that I've seen to Ben Shelton. Yeah, it really is. But on the record, I thought it was freaking hilarious and absolutely savage of Djokovic to do it to him. Oh, so I thought good. it was hysterical too. Like yeah, I like, like so objectively, good. objectively it's really really funny. But at the same time, like dude, like this is why you have to know like this is why people hate you. Like Oh, well, see, I think nah. Like yeah. the phone hang up is part of it. Like that I think is like a separate thing. But for me, the biggest issue was like at the net, like kind of a cold handshake. And like, I, I think know. that's, his, that's his edge, man. That's his edge. No, it is. It is. And like, that's fine. Like, and I say this about Novak all the time. Like the dude's edge is being hated. Novak can't like be in a system where he is like being rooted for he has Frankie. to be the underdog he has to be like the man in the arena like that he literally says like tom brady is his best friend and like speaks about that mentality tom brady is the first one to tell you us against the world man in the arena everybody hates me i'm gonna go prove them all wrong and like that's what novak does and that's fine that's his edge and like just admit it like i don't know why I... novak fans have such a problem admitting that because I don't think enough tennis fans have met enough Serbian people. Like that's just how they operate, and like you just gotta, you just gotta realize like that's just, like that's just it. Like you gotta appreciate the craziness, and and I do, and I because I've met some, and I'm like, wow, this is crazy, but like, this is why you're also really successful in sports in general. I mean, you also have the like Nikola Jokic, same thing. Like guys, just like absolutely, just just he's just crazy. 
but like funny and like good. So I'm like, yeah. okay, whatever it takes, let's do it. Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm going to yell at Emma to come over here to speak about Yugoslavia um, and the Yugoslav mentality. Um, but um, no, I, I think that that is true. Like, I think that, and Novak is right when he says this, by the way, right? Like, the Western media absolutely does not have an understanding or an appreciation of the Yugoslav mentality and Eastern Europe in general mentality of like that they've just been oppressed by Western Europe forever and seen as beneath them forever. And Novak sort of touches upon that um, in his style and in the way that he acts and, and everything. And, uh, that's how he is what he is. That's how Luka Modric is what he is in soccer. Like, it's it's not a coincidence that these guys all seem to have this underdog mentality versus the rest of the world. It's how the Croatian national soccer team gets to two World Cup uh, semifinals and a, and a World Cup finals appearance, right, of a nation of four million people. Like, it's because they work hard as a team and they're willing to give anything, right? And, like... It's it's none of this is a coincidence, but um, getting back to Ben because I don't want to get too sidetracked. But um, I think Ben, like the last thing that I sort of wanted to talk about with him is just like we speak about that he's raw. We speak about his weapons. Marcus, just kind of go over a little bit, like tennis wise, what makes him so special? Why you and I are saying like raw talent wise, he's as good as anyone we've ever like. I think he's the best American prospect since Roddick, personally. Six foot four, two hundred plus pounds of muscle, can serve one fifty, uh, can rip a forehand hundred miles an hour plus anytime he wants. Why he's raw though is because he doesn't know how to kind of control that power. So, kind of give like gives me a little a little bit of Carlos vibes, Frankie. When Carlos kind of came onto the scene, like you could tell he's got so much, he's got so much power, but. You got it. You got to tame it and use it at the right times. Key difference being the variety, but yes, yeah. That I meant purely like from a power perspective. Ben and Carlos kind of similar level, but you got to be able to learn how to tame it, how to manage your body, and also how to manage surfaces. That's what I want to see him do really well next year. Is how are you going to handle the clay season? Can you do it better than other Americans? Because most of the time, other Americans kind of clay season. You just go. You go and play a few tournaments. If you get any sort of points, hoorah, but I'm going to make most of my money on the hardcourt swing. But if you can't do that, that makes your life really difficult. So I really want to see him kind of improve there. Um, but yeah, his game is, you know, just it's just big. It's just, it's just like America. It's just big. Yeah, I mean, if Texas was a tennis play style, Ben Shelton would be it. Boom. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think he just... It's the fact, like, there are plenty of players that can hit hard forehands consistently, right? Like, Jan, I think, has the, the highest velocity on his forehand um, on tour and the highest velocity on his backhand on tour. But Jan can't, like, Jan has to wind up and hit really hard, same thing as Carlos, to get, like, over 100, 105 on a forehand. Ben is just, like, hopping and skipping and then just, like, whack. 100, like, 10, 12 mile an hour forehand at will. Just no wind-up needed. He's just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to actually hit with my full strength now. It's crazy. 
like there was that return that he hit against Tiafo when he's down oh. in the tiebreak. You know which one I'm talking about? Oh, dude, I will never ever forget that one. Where you're just like, alive. I'm sorry, what? what? Like this dude just double faulted three times in a row and looked like he's about to piss this set away, and he just does that. Like what? He's just having fun, man. That's just the moral of the story. Now, Frankie, last question for you before we hop. What's his what's his ceiling? I mean, I said it to you just before. I think he is the best American prospect since Roddick. I think his ceiling is Grand Slam champion. Multiple or just one? Multiple. I think if he gets his peak, I think his like absolute highest potential, if he like puts the work in, does the whole thing. I think you can win multiple Wimbledons and at least one hard court slam. Absolutely. I'm not going to go as far as you. I'm going to say he's going to win one slam, whether that be a Wimby or a U.S. Open. But Oh, I, th- to be clear, this yeah. is different than my prediction of what he will be. I'm saying just pure ceiling. pure ceiling. I think that's okay. his ceiling. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's I think fair. if you're asking me what I think will likely happen. Oh, boy. It's just so hard because you say like, oh, I like, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but like, realistically, if the dude improves by the equivalent of two rounds and no, again, he's 20 years old, Novak's going to retire at some point, right? Um, like, yeah, I, like, I, I do think he'll win a major. I, I do. Like, I, I. If this guy has, like, one of those, like, serving weeks at Wimbledon, who is stopping that? Like, I'm serious. Who is stopping that? Yeah, not not really anybody. Yeah, I agree. Wimbledon is is kind of his go-to tournament, kind of like it was Roddick's back in the day, but he could never pull it off. Yeah, and that's my sort of fear with him is that he runs into, like, Jan, who's starting to play really well at Wimbledon, Carlos, who obviously is the defending Wimbledon champion, like, and he just kind of loses it. But, I mean, I don't know, man. Put this kid under the lights against almost anyone at the U.S. Open. I'm not writing him off. And that's what he's going to be on now every single match. He's going to be on Ash. So, I don't know. I It's a great question. I think it is a really interesting question to think about. And I'm so curious to see how his career evolves because – Potential-wise, it's off the charts. I agree. And I think we're going to leave it right there because it is TBD with Ben Sheldon. So we wish him the best of luck in Shanghai and the rest of the year. Um, Guys, thank you so much for joining on this week's episode of the Breakpoint Podcast. Frankie and I will catch you guys later. See ya.